Welcome to the Sober Mofos podcast, where we discuss how to get sober, how to stay sober, and how to live a healthy, happy life in sobriety. My name is Dirk Foster, and I'm a sobriety coach and author, and I've been sober since 2007. This is podcast number three. So today I want to talk about early sobriety. When I talk about early sobriety, I mean the early days, weeks, and months of getting sober. And I want to discuss what I experienced and what you may experience if you get sober or are currently working on your sobriety. Before I start, if you get a chance, please visit my website, which is SoberMofos.com, or my YouTube channel, which is SoberMofos, for more information about addiction, recovery, and sobriety. So, early sobriety. What was it like? What is it like? It can be very, very intense. Um, For me, I, I was shocked by how intense it could be once I didn't have alcohol or drugs in my system. For me personally, I cried so much in those early days that it's difficult remembering what exactly I was crying about all the time. (laughs) But I definitely cried a lot. It would overwhelm me suddenly, unexpectedly, without warning. I would be watching TV or taking a walk or reading a book or just eating an apple, and something would trigger the tears. I would begin to sob, sometimes uncontrollably, like a child who just saw his puppy get hit by a car. So now that the numbing agents of alcohol and drugs were absent from my life, everything started to rise to the surface. I would be flooded by emotions that I wasn't even aware I had, but they came out nonetheless, despite my best efforts to control them. Crying became a, like, it became a regular thing for the first few months of my sobriety. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. It's just the way it was. And, 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 and if that's happening to you, don't be embarrassed about it. It's just part of the deal. Human beings need to express their emotions. It's as natural as breathing. But as alcoholics, we often choose to suppress unpleasant and painful feelings by drinking them away. Even positive emotions like joy and excitement and love can feel prickly and overwhelming, like too intense. They sting too much. Drinking away positive emotions um, is as common as drinking away bad ones, actually. Either way, we prefer to remain as numb as possible, lest we feel too much. Why feel anything if we could just open a bottle and feel nothing, right? I was frightened by the constant feelings that, that bombarded me, like I, was, like I was under siege. And it never seemed to end. One moment I'd be calm and laughing, seconds later I'd be weeping like a baby. It was weird and sort of pathetic, but it is what it is. I remember, I remember very distinctly, <clears throat> I, was, I, I was watching a movie one night um, in my apartment. The film was called Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg and and Maggie Smith. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. It's called Sister Act. At one point, Maggie Smith's character says to Whoopi Goldberg's character, God has brought you here, take the hint. God has brought you here, take the hint. And that for me was all it took. The floodgates opened. In that single line from the movie, I felt like I was receiving a message about my own life. (laughs) God has brought you here, to sobriety. So don't fuck it up like everything else in your life. That was kind of what I felt. That was the message I received. And I began to, I began to sob and weep uncontrollably. I couldn't contain it. I'm watching a comedy and bawling my eyes out like a, like a baby. 
And in a way, that's what I was. I, I was an infant. I was so new to the concept of feelings and emotions that I was unable to process that, process them in a, in a reasonable manner. Crying just became a part of my day, often several times per day. And it took me a long time to learn how to process my emotions like a healthy adult. In fact, it took several years, I'll be honest. I will never be altogether normal uh, when it comes to emotions. I'm just, just the way I'm built. Emotions scare me. They, they make me uncomfortable. But one thing I learned in those early days of recovery was that, our, that, that emotions are simply a part of being alive. Running from them, numbing them, drinking them away is never going to make them disappear, period. At most, emotions and feelings go dormant for a while. They go hidden. But at some point, they always rise back to the surface. It's best I learn if I just meet them head on and deal with them then and there as soon as they appear. One thing I learned to appreciate um, in 12-step meetings, I'm a 12-stepper. I, I got sober in AA. I say this all the time. Um, if you don't get sober in AA, that's perfectly fine. Get sober any way that works for you. But for me, I'm an AA person and um, it's worked for me. But one thing I learned to appreciate in AA meetings is that people are so damn willing and eager to share their emotions with others out loud and proud for the whole world to see and hear. People laugh in meetings as readily as they cry in meetings. And to me, it was, a, it was strange as hell at first, but over time, I got used to being around people expressing themselves openly in meetings. Eventually, I got comfortable enough to do the same thing, too. I was still a long way from opening up too much in front of other people in those early days, but I was starting to tap into something deeper within me that was struggling to get out. Now, the night times could be especially tricky, okay? Those are what I call the, the, the night creatures. During those early months, the biggest challenge for me was the loneliness and boredom and fear that descended upon me as soon as it started um, to get dark. The nights were the toughest part of the journey when I first got sober because I did the majority of my drinking um, at night. You know, I usually started... You know, early evening, you know, in the, in the last year I was drinking in the afternoons, but most of the time I started early evenings. I would usually start my first drink around five, six, somewhere around there, and continue drinking until I either ran out of booze, ran out of money, or passed out. <laughs> that, was, that was how I existed. It wasn't until I stopped drinking that I realized I was afraid of the dark, so when we say someone is afraid of the dark, usually we think of a small child frightened by monsters under the bed or in the closet waiting to attack, right? It's not a term we typically assign to adults, but there I was, a grown man afraid of the dark. The only difference was that the closet where the monsters were hiding was my head. What I discovered was that my brain was crowded with monsters, goblins, beasts, that were eager to attack me at every opportunity. My head, <clears throat> excuse me, my head was swarming with night creatures that were continually telling me that a piece of, you know, that what a piece of shit loser I was. That the only way I was going to feel better was to take a drink. The monsters in my head were hungry and they fed on fear and loneliness. Okay? I want to say that again. The monsters in my head were hungry. And those monsters feed on fear and loneliness. 
Not giving in to the temptation to drink was brutal and very difficult. I would be at home watching TV, fidgeting and anxious when someone on the show would pour themselves a scotch. Just the sound of ice clinking on the side of the glass could send me into a frenzy of, of obsession. I would obsess over it. My head would spin. I wanted to lick the television screen. The monsters in my head, the monsters in my head would start to claw and bite, demanding that I head immediately to the liquor store to quench my thirst. Those were the toughest hours of my early sobriety, the nights. I was so accustomed to drinking myself into oblivion every night that I no longer knew what to do once the sun went down. Over time, I developed a few positive habits that kept me from drinking. It took a while to kind of develop these these tools, these habits, but they worked for me. Um, I would sometimes call a friend, a sober friend, um, and it's important to have a circle of sober friends around you if you're if you can. I would go to an AA meeting. Um, I would read addiction books. I read a ton of books about addiction. Um, and recovery all the time. Still do to this day. I love reading books about addiction and recovery and sobriety because it's such a big part of my life. So I'd read books. I would take long, long walks. Um, I would take a bike ride or I would eat ice cream. That was one of the things that helped me a lot of times, (laughs) eating ice cream, sweets. There were several months when I would um, eat a pint of ice cream every single night. (laughs) I did gain a bit of weight, but I didn't drink and that's all that mattered to me. I figured I could lose the weight later. I was willing to do whatever it took to not pick up that first drink when the monsters came out. Sleeping came in fits and starts, and that's just the way it was, you know. I Rarely did I enjoy a full night of peaceful rest in those early days. My dreams were strange and sometimes frightening. I woke up frequently, often drenched in sweat, yet I somehow managed to push through night after night, waiting for the sun to rise the next day, eager to start over fresh and most importantly, still sober. So what did I do to fight through it? Sooner or later, we all have to make this decision. Do I stay sober and clean or do I allow alcohol to pollute my life and control me? Do I fight or do I crumble in defeat? So I was still completely obsessed with alcohol at this point. Obsessed. I never stopped thinking about it or craving it. Even though I was fully aware of how destructive it was for me, for me, I continually told myself how easy it would be to have just one drink. No one would know, no one would care, just one and I'll feel better instantly. Just one and all my problems will go away. Just one and I'll be able to sleep. Just one and the fear and the monsters will go away. Just one, and those monsters in my head will hibernate. The obsession to drink was overwhelming and dominated every aspect of my my life, my existence. The simple act of just walking through a grocery store was like navigating a battlefield. Passing the liquor aisle, (laughs) I remember this so well, passing the liquor aisle was treacherous and terrifying to me, forcing me to avert my eyes away from the army of glimmering bottles towering over my head. I would think about drinking all day long. I dreamed about drinking every night. In fact, I'll be honest with you, 15 years I've been sober as of this recording, and I still dream dream about drinking occasionally, but it, it certainly doesn't bother me anymore. Going to a restaurant that served alcohol was torturous. 
If someone were drinking a glass of wine at a table near me, I would stare at it impulsively, watching every sip they took, (laughs) wondering how it tasted and fantasizing about how it was making them feel. I, 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 it's, it's almost like I sexualized alcohol. I romanticized it, desiring it with deep, deep longing. Alcohol occupies, you know, we all know this. Alcohol occupies an enormous space in, in Western culture. Everywhere you turn, there it is. There's a bar or restaurant serving booze on every block. Even movie theaters sell beer and wine these days. There's no getting away from it. This is just a fact and something we have to face. And we have to work through it if we want to stay clean and sober. So finally, the fear I had been wallowing for so long began to transition into anger. And I'm not exactly sure how long that took, probably a couple of months. Instead of feeling afraid of everybody and everything, I became increasingly pissed off and frustrated. You know, I would ask, why do I have to feel like this all the time? Why am I controlled by this liquid? Why am I so afraid of life? Why am I so afraid of people? Why, why, why? The anger finally boiled over in, a, in an AA meeting I was in. I was never one to raise my hand or share in AA meetings. I, I was really reluctant to share. I would hide in the back of the, back of the room and, and just kind of keep to myself and not say anything. I preferred to just hide out and, uh, you know, listen without speaking. But one day, <laughs> while, uh, while sitting silently in the back of the room, I let loose. I, I, it was just my time, I guess. I had had enough and needed to vent my rage and my frustration. I had no idea what I wanted to say, but I had to speak. I had to release all these feelings or they were going to kill me. So I thrust my hand skyward and um, I hated speaking in public. I've gotten used to it over the years, but in those, you know, I was always very shy. My face would flush. Um, and, you know, and the idea of people turning their gaze in my direction just was so terrifying to me. Um, and like I said, I've gotten used to it now and I'm more, much more comfortable with it. But back then it just terrified me. But I thought that day it's now or never. So, I began to speak once I raised my hand and I asked if I could speak and, and the person running the meeting, it's called a secretary, pointed to me and I, I announced myself and said, my name is Dirk and I'm an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. And there's this chorus of people that said, hi, Dirk, just like they do in meetings. And I just unleashed. And I said, I can't handle this shit. And I, and, and if, and I, I just would, would start, start raging. It feels like there's something trapped inside me, I said, like an animal. It's eating me alive and I want to feel better. I want to stop obsessing over alcohol all the time. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I just ranted and raved for about probably five minutes. I'm sure I didn't make much sense, to be honest with you. (laughs) There wasn't wasn't any forethought or a coherent message behind what I was ranting about. The words just poured out of me in, in in this toxic flood Everyone in the meeting just smiled and nodded like they understood everything I was saying. And in a way, I'm sure they did. But, you know, perhaps the words didn't make sense, but the emotions were evident. It was my turn. That day, it was my turn to unleash the storm of feelings and fear that had been building inside me for so long. And when it was over, I just said, thanks for listening. And everyone applauded, blah, blah, blah. And they were all enthusiastic and it was great. And when I finished... 
I was drained of emotion and I was shaking and dripping with sweat. It reminded me of when I first got sober. I went into a church when I first got sober. I wasn't a religious person by any means, but I went into a church and got on my knees and I cried out to God for help. And by that day, by speaking out loud and sharing my story in this meeting, however incoherent and insane it probably sounded, something changed in me. That was the day I began to recognize that there was anger in me that I could use to my benefit. Okay, Anger, I realized, could be a gift, a way to express myself and break free from the fear and anxiety that imprisoned me. Now, anger might not always be a healthy form of, of expression, and I, don't, I think it is an unhealthy form of expression at most of the time. But if it could help me fight through my fear and keep me from drinking, then I was going to use it. I was angry and, 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 and I, I was ready to do whatever was necessary to stay sober. So if utilizing anger in order to express myself and stay sober was the, was, was the trick for me, then that's what I was going to do. That's what I was going to do. So that's what... So the early days were like for me, early weeks, early months. Um, I don't know what your experience is like, uh, but just be aware that early sobriety can be extremely intense, um, but it's a great opportunity to learn about yourself um, and do whatever it takes to stay sober, no matter the emotion, despite the emotions and the feelings, just keep pushing through. It's worth it. Okay. That's all I have for, for now. Um, I look forward to um, sharing with you more in the next podcast. Don't forget to visit my uh, website, SoberMofos.com, or my YouTube channel, SoberMofos. And until next time, stay safe.